What's going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaber Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. And that's right, we are back in the New York groove, baby. And you know why? Because it was a big, big Sunday for my New York teams. The Giants, for the first time all year, didn't leave me pissed off. The Yankees, you know, was not the best weekend for them, but they win Sunday. It's all that matters. They're in the postseason. And it was... It was also a stressful Sunday, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, the Sunday was sick, but, like, oof. I was, like, on the verge of a heart attack on that Sunday. Like, I did not think I'd be alive for this episode today. Like, I, 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 thought, I'd, I thought I had done my last bird's eye view. I was pretty – I thought yesterday was it. I thought that was – I thought I was going to kick the bucket, honestly, with just how, how anxious that Giants game got me, how anxious that Yankees game got me. And oh my god, I'll start with the Yankees though, because we're in the postseason, thank god, I mean, they, they just seem, couldn't make it easy. Like, of course, this season with all the ups and all the downs, of course this team had to take it down to the final day. Like, it, it, it honestly, like, once the team started struggling after the 13-game winning streak, I should have known it was going to come down to the final day. I mean, I honestly thought this would come down to game 163. Uh, for us... Yeah, you know, we're riding the high. We took five of six on the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, both on the road. All we needed was a win and like a loss by Seattle and Toronto to get in. And we did not give ourselves an easy opportunity. I'm at the game Friday. We lose. Uh, the offense really wasn't there. We scored one in the first inning. Didn't score until the bottom of the ninth, where the Yankees had a chance for a rally but lost. And then game two, I mean, I went to the Ohio State game. They played Rutgers. Felt the same time as the Yankees-Rays game, where at that point, all we needed was a win. You know, the Mariners lost their first game. All we needed was a win against the Rays that first game, and we would have been in. But then, we lose game two, and Brandon Lau crutched us for three home runs. Montgomery has probably the worst start of his career, giving up seven earned runs, and especially where just, you know, in the biggest game of the season, Monty. Because every game has has been the biggest game of the season to this point on. And then it's like, all right, but we had our chances to clinch by winning. Now we have to go into the final day. At this point, like, it's struggling, man. It's like the Rays, the the only reason, the only thing they have to play for is the satisfaction of beating us. They don't like us. We don't like them. And they just came in. They embarrassed us in those first two games. And here we go, game three. And this is just like the anxiety. We're going up against Michael Waka. And Waka's been pretty good against the Yanks this year. Has a 5.780 ERA against the rest of the league. But for some reason against the Yankees, this dude just looks like the best pitcher to ever pitch in the history of the MLB. Uh, Yankees have no hits against him. Or get end up getting end up with one hit against him through five. Uh, that one hit was from Glaber Torres in the third inning. Or excuse me, the fourth inning. They had just one walk against him. Not being able to do anything against Michael Walker. I mean, Michael freaking Walker, man. Like... I don't know how this guy it was so bad against the rest of the league, but against the Yankees, you know, in 21 innings, he's a 1.23 ERA. He's just like the best pitcher. To, it, it, it's just absurd. And it's not even like he was having that nasty strikeout stuff. The Yankees were getting, you know, grounders that were, you know, just grabbed along the third baseline and thrown at the first. Oh, and then plays were a couple of diving plays here and there. It was just our luck. And, of course, the opposite way. At times, the Rays are getting bloop singles, infield singles, like like the one that Randy Rosarena tried to stop swinging, but it hit the front of his bat, and he ends up grounding it down the line in third and getting the first on an infield single because 
Gary couldn't make the play, although even if Gary was able to pick up the ball, probably a Rosarena still gets the first. And it's frustrating because, I mean, the offense just isn't hitting at all. But it was that bullpen, man. I mean, this freaking bullpen. So from Tyone, he gives us – Tyone's game was very similar to what Monty gave us in game four last year. He went three and a thirds, took him out after he faced Nelson Cruz to start the fourth. And, you know, I saw some people saying, stupid decision. I said, nope, do not leave Tyone in to face the left-handers for the second time. He was lucky to get out of that third inning, and he did. And the bullpen, I mean, Boone played the bullpen perfectly that game. Wandy gives us a strong inning. Clay Holmes, uh, just everybody. Green came in and was very strong for us. Uh, Chapman came in, got the save. Lawizka came in, had amazing stuff from Johnny. I mean, just looked dirty. The curveball was working. He was throwing 100. He looked back. Uh, I think I, I just said Clay Holmes, but also, again, he was the one guy. You know, All these guys gave us a little bit of a scare. Holmes was the only guy who didn't give up an actual base runner. I'm so regardless. Like, all these guys gave us a scare. They didn't actually give up a run, though, and that was amazing. All these guys working in and out of jams and just, oof. I mean, but, but why do you think I'm having anxiety? Because every pitcher was, in a way, working themselves into a jam before eventually getting themselves out of it. But it, it gets you worried watching that. But Wandy, man, an inning and a third. One hit, one walk, two Ks. Holmes was nasty, not allowing a base runner. Chad Green gave the hit in the walk, which is scary. Loisica had the infield hit. And Rosarina got the second. And that's what made me all nervous. Chapman, the walk. And Chapman facing uh, Joey Wendell, Manuel Margot. They pinch hit Margot. You know, Wendell steals second. It's like, oh, great. Is the single going to happen here? Is Margot going to drive in Wendell? Chapman gets out of it. And the Yankees just... Okay, so, you know, all these pitchers are giving up hits. All, all these pitchers are giving up hits, man. And it's, it's been rough. It's been really rough. All these pitchers are giving up hits, but they're getting them out. So it's not good for my health. All these pitchers getting themselves into trouble that way. Here we go. We're going to the bottom of the ninth. I'm like, all right, guys, this is it. Stop the bullshit. Here's where you score. Odor gets the game, gets the inning started with a single. Obviously, we pinch run, pinch run Tyler Wade for him. And Tyler Wade, fantastic base running all along. Gary Sanchez, or not Gary, it was Glaber Torres comes up, just misses a home run. I mean, Glaber had great swings all day, just kept missing them. Uh, but it's out at the wall. Great read by Tyler Wade uh, go from first to second. You don't see that much on a sacrifice fly. Someone sacrificing and going from first to second. It's usually good chance to get thrown out. And then later on, Rizzo has single. Tyler Wade thinks about going home. Nevin's trying to wave him, but they both end up realizing the throw would have beat Wade and he would be out. So then there's Wade on third. Aaron Judge hits a, gra a soft grounder. And we've seen Aaron, yeah, as clutch as Aaron Judge's spin. I think I've seen him do this once or twice this year where he hits the soft grounder that ends up being an out at home. But not right there. Nope. Tyler Wade is too fast. He beats the throw. And the Yankees walk it off somehow. And I'll be honest. 
I was not prepared for to walk that game off. I really thought this game was just going to end in heartbreak. The offense not doing anything. I'm like, this isn't going to come back to haunt us. The pitching, as good as it's been, we're allowing runners on. I mean, I'm literally watching this game. I'm pacing around my room. I'm on the verge of literally having a heart attack. I, I, I pulled an all-nighter on Saturday, pretty much. So I was on, at that point in the Yankee game, I'm on hour 36 of no sleep. I'm freaking out. I haven't had time to breathe because the Giants had me in a game where I was anxious the entire time. Because, yeah. The start of that Yankee game coincides with the Giants game in the fourth quarter, coincides with the Giants game in overtime, and I literally thought at some point I was going to have like a heart attack because both those games were absolutely crazy. I was expecting my part to get broken in both of those. You know, while the Yankee game is going on, we have that Saquon fumble, and I thought, I, I literally thought with that Saquon fumble, I was actually about to just like die or something because, oh my God, just long, long 12 hours, some of the st most stressful 12 hours of my Six hours of my life watching those games. Oh, my God. I mean, that, that was – it was so stressful, man. I mean, let me get into those Giants. I, I, I'm going to recap the MLB season and do my playoff preview in a bit because, you know, I'm talking about that stress that I had. And I, just, you know, I, I didn't sleep Saturday. I just couldn't get comfortable. Woke up at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning to drive down to go to that Ohio State Rutgers game. So, yeah. After going to this game, it's 30 hours, no sleep, I'm tired. And, of course, here we go. Again, the usual, the bad play calling from Jason Garrett. There runs up the middle for zero yards. You know, here we go. It got better late, and I'm going to talk about that late in the game. You know, the, there were so many decisions before the half, in the first half. In a 0-0 game, we're at the 16-yard line of the Saints. Fourth and one, and Joe Judge kicks a field goal that we don't even get. Like, Okay, you don't want to go for it on fourth down's fine. But that's a situation where you should almost always go for it on fourth down. You have a situation on the road to strike. Get the first touchdown of the game. Your defense has been playing pretty solid this game. But instead, you kick a field goal. You come away with zero points. That's fourth and one. Do a sneak with Daniel Jones or something. Do a fullback run. or I mean, like, what the hell is that, Giants? That was not... That, that was a horrible decision on fourth down. And Joe Judge... He says he's not afraid to go for on fourth down. He said that this week in a press conference. Well, grow a pair of balls, man. You know, everyone talks about you're tough, you're tough, you're tough. Oh, yeah, Joe Judge's tough mindset. What kind of tough guy doesn't even go for it on fourth down? I'm sorry. And then, I mean, it doesn't matter because we eventually get on the board. The Saints miss a field goal. And John Ross, welcome back, finally playing a game for the Giants. Gets a huge touchdown. One play, one, one play, one play. It was a one-play drive with a touchdown. But as the Giants defense has done so much in the two-minute drill this year, whether it be the end of the first or the end of the second half, couldn't get a stop. Saints drive down the field. Jameis drives out. And then Taysom Hill. So eventually Jameis drives him down the field. They give the ball to Taysom Hill. And this defense just doesn't tackle Taysom Hill. I mean, he literally breaks like seven or eight tackles on it. And so many guys going for the punch out. Wrap him up. We had a chance to wrap him up behind the first down marker on a third down. But no, everyone just says, let me get the ball. Let me get the ball. Then they'll bring him down. The guys all know they could bring down Taysom Hill. So they try to punch the ball out. So that way the Saints can get in. Instead, Hill just breaks him. Gets in the end zone for a touchdown. It's 7-7 at the half. And just, just annoying, man. Like... Ugh. It was really annoying. Oh, and then the next, the first play of the, the first drive of the second half. Excuse me. Yeah, no, that was the first drive of the second half when that happened. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I mistook my two drives. Jameis came out, led them down the field. He threw a touchdown right before the half. But that, 
drive where Jameis led him was the first drive of the half. And the Giants offense continues to... Uh, actually, yeah, you know what? The Giants offense... Yeah, this, yeah, so after that 14-7 touchdown, that's when the Giants offense turned it around. I don't know if it was one possession after or not. But yeah, all of a sudden, Jason Garrett somehow was calling good plays. And we're throwing the ball downfield pretty well. Uh, we're, we're not doing halfback dives anymore or halfback draws, but we're actually running outside, and you're seeing Saquon looking for the lanes. There's one run I remember specifically where Saquon is literally has his hand in front of him following the block. We haven't seen that from Saquon all year long trying to create his own lane, and we finally saw that more from Saquon in the second half, and that's big on of him to be doing that outside of, you know, Jason Garrett calling these plays. Uh, and when Daniel's, Daniel Jones is throwing the ball deep, He's throwing some dimes, man. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, I'm actually about to text in my group chat saying, guys, I think I still might be drunk from Saturday because I'm seeing things like Jason Garrett calling good plays. But I'm like, you know what, let me wait till the drive ends. We're in the red zone. First down, back to the inside run. Didn't really love it. Don't get anything there. And we're starting off, we're at the, the three-yard line of New Orleans. Then second down, we do a tight end run to Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram is worthless. Nobody likes Evan Ingram anymore. He's just, he's worthless. That dude has no hands. I mean, you know, I don't know why you're doing a tight end run to, uh, in the end zone to begin with. Like, that's not good trickery. Evan Ingram, too, just, you know, did nothing. Just got tackled right away on that play. At least he didn't fumble like he did last week. Oh, but don't forget, Evan Ingram also did have a drop this game. I mean, you don't have to watch the game to know that because Evan Ingram and drops, you just know they're going to happen. I mean, this guy is a waste of a roster spot. He's not good. You know, he, the only reason he got drafted was because he had, he had like, amazing hands, good catcher, good playmaker, not for his blocking. Well, you can't catch. You can't block. You're just not a good player, Evan Ingram. I can't stand him. He's terrible. He hurts the team. People are, it used to be, oh, when Evan Ingram's healthy, you know, he'll make an impact. No, healthy... Healthy, I guess healthy Edward Ingram does make an impact, a negative impact. Get that bum off this team. But hey, even Evan Ingram and his shitty hands couldn't stop Jason Garrett from actually from, from having his good plays. Like, the Giants, they're, they're down 21-10 now because they get a, there's another touchdown from Taysom Hill, rushing touchdown. This time the Giants run a completely different play, uh, trying to stack the outside so Hill can't get it in the red zone. Hill just... Goes right up the middle, pretty much untouched up until he's going into the end zone. Scores. It's 21-10. And this is right around the time where Giant, where the Yankee game is starting. So, you know, at this point, the Yankee game is, is about to start. And it is, uh, you know, already the Rays are getting guys on. The Giants, meanwhile, are down 21-10. And Joe Judge, again, with his little tiny, like, lip, yes, like, probably, like, small... Joe Judge has no balls. I mean, he probably has the he probably has balls smaller than like a six-year-old. It's fourth down. You're down 11 points with nine and a half left. He punched the ball, and this again this coincides with the start of the, with the start of the Yanks, and I'm already freaking out. So now this is pissing me off even more. And the Yankees get off to a rough start. I'm seeing the Giants literally punt this game away. But hey, credit to the defense. The defense does get a stop. And the Giants get another one play, one touchdown drive. A beautiful, beautiful throw from Danny Dimes to Saquon Barkley on the halfback wheel, baby. Giant strike, a two-point conversion, and it's a three-point game. Okay, so now it's official. One possession game. Giants have time to come back. Yankees playing 
uh, big game, big at bats, uh, missing foul, miss, you know, just missing pitches for foul balls. Uh, Rays are getting guys on. At this point, my heart is pounding out of my chest. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm sweating profusely. Palm, my palms are sweating. Uh, there's not the, if I was wearing a sweater, there might be vomit on already, mom spaghetti. And I'm just, I'm literally about to have a panic attack watching both of these two teams, man. In these two games, what's going on at the same time. And Giants, we drive down the field. More great throws from Danny Dimes. We kick the field goal. And here we go, overtime. It's officially time for OT. I mean, OT combined with the Yankees in a must-win game. Like, it's literally God must have been trying to give me a heart attack. Doing everything in his power. We get that ball first. I'm thinking, okay, just score a touchdown here, score a touchdown here. So we get a field goal. I'm not to worry about the Saints driving down for a touchdown. Then Saquon has that fumble. And I, again, I, I know I said it earlier, but I actually thought I was going to go into like cardiac arrest there. I really thought that was I really thought that was the end of my life when Saquon had that fumble because just that 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 game I was like here we go, here we go. Some of the Giants get the fumble recovery, but like that doesn't happen to the Giants in the last couple of years. No, this team finds ways to lose. Like usually the Giants they lose that fumble and the Saints drive down and that's how they lose. But uh, but no, they get it. Daniel Jones keeps throwing dimes down the field, and eventually six yard run to Saquon Barkley touchdown Giants. They walk it off. In overtime, we finally get our first win of the year. And what a game. No Darius Slayton, no Sterling Shepard. The Giants go into New Orleans, a place they haven't won in years, and win a football game with a tremendous job by Daniel Jones and, up to his credit, Jason Garrett. Now, everybody knows I was not on the Daniel Jones train to begin the season. I was very anti-Danny Dimes. But right now, he's been looking pretty damn good this year. You know, I'm not going to fully jump on and say, oh, he's my franchise guy. Oh, I love Daniel Jones. But I'm honestly starting to turn a corner on him. I mean, the offensive line has been a mess all year outside of Andrew Thomas. We started our fourth left guard in four games. But with all the offensive line issues, Daniel Jones has looked good. He's made some good throws deep. Um, in the play Week two against Washington and yesterday against the Saints, Jason Garrett had some good play calls, and in those good play calls with attacking deep or utilizing the read option, Daniel Jones has looked really good, and you know, I'm a lot more positive on Daniel Jones than I was last year and his rookie season, and that's something I'm happy about uh, with all the turnover, especially that left guard position on the O-line. I mean, that was his best game since 2019, really. Uh, I almost said that was the best game of his career, but I forgot he had that five-touchdown game, which cost us Chase Young, but hey, like, Thomas has been good, so I'm not going to complain about it. No, nah, it's because I love Chase Young. And, uh, I mean, Galladay and him finally connecting. Hey, you see what happens when you use Galladay the way he's supposed to be used? Six catches, 116 yards. Oh, and we use Kadarius Toney. One thing, we've, one thing you know about Kadarius Toney, that all college football last season and broken tackles, and he was a broken tackle machine this game a lot of broken tackles and he needs to it's clear he needs to start playing more in my opinion you know you saw Slan have that job against Washington put him in the doghouse Tony should be that number three we should really be using Shepard Tony and Galladay as our receivers and I just man you know could have just been a desperation win is a desperation win everyone's sick of you know people want the win for Judge for Garrett you know, I don't know what this means for the Giants. Hopefully this propels the team going forward. Maybe we win next week in Dallas for Jason Garrett. You never know. But no, we probably are still going to suck. Like As long as Dave Gettleman's there, I don't have faith. And 
the Saints, they continue to be a Jekyll and Hyde football team. As we've seen, Jameis Winston has really just been a Jekyll and Hyde player for pretty much his entire career. The Giants-Saints game wasn't the only great game we saw between an NFC East and NFC South opponent. I just realized we actually saw three NFC East and NFC South games. Uh, but it was Washington versus Atlanta. I mean, Matt Ryan finally looked like the Matt Ryan of a few years ago this game. Granted, it was against the Washington defense. Uh, but Cordo, and so, not even just Matt Ryan looked like the Matt Ryan of a few years ago. How about Cordo Patterson? I mean, Cordo Patterson, like, this dude was a wide receiver, was only a good returner. People thought he was kind of washed up, bounced from team to team just as a returner. But here he was, playing running back for this Atlanta team, scoring three touchdowns, kicking my ass in fantasy, absolutely going beast mode. And, yeah, I just I just didn't even know that. Know that. I mean, this this te- this game was just bad defenses versus – two bad defenses versus each other. Again, you see, Jason Garrett, you called that a good game against New Orleans. But you see what Washington, you see what Philly did against this Atlanta defense. How do you not? How do you not call a game to prepare for that Atlanta defense the way these both these teams have had? And you know, Ter- Terry McLaurin had a hell of a game. You know, it helps that he was going up against the Atlanta defense, which is probably the worst in the NFL. And you know what else helped them? Helped him the fact that he had his buddy Curtis Samuel back. This, the, obviously the best wide receiver that Terry's had opposite of him since his Ohio State days. Washington has never, has never had an elite receiver to pair with Terry McLaurin. And I'm not calling Curtis Samuel elite, but he's definitely one of the better number twos in this league. And Terry, man, just such a clean route runner. He and Heineke had a great connection all game, those two touchdowns. The first one was an unbelievable throw, unbelievable catch. I mean, this was just going to get better as the season goes along. And, yeah, it was, it was a good win for Washington over Atlanta. Uh, you know, this defense, though, is still a huge concern for them. I, mean, I never thought that the defense would be the issue for them, giving up 30 points against the Atlanta Falcons. But here it is, which everyone thought if they were going to win the NFC East, it was going to be anchored by that defense and not by the offense at all. But here we are, 2-2. Two and two. The offense has won on both their games, specifically Heineke and Terry McLaurin. Bills, Texans. I mean, the Texans just suck, man. To quote Stephen A. Smith, Davis Mills is a bona fide scrub. I mean, that dude is horrible. Four picks, just not good. Not good at all. That's why he was a fourth-round pick. I mean, woof. Davis Mills sucks. The Texans suck. I mean, this, the Bills had their second shit out of the season. We're four games in. Yeah, the defense is playing at a high level right now. I mean, yeah, it's the, the Texans, the Dolphins, two good shutouts. Davis Mills is a joke. Uh... You know, they need Tyrod Taylor back if they want a chance of winning games. They're bad. They're bad, man. Like, that's really all there is to it. Bills are rolling. Dawson Knox had two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs had over 100 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had a nice game. I mean, he's been a fantastic addition for this Buffalo Bills team. This team right now is rolling. Allen's rolling. Uh... You know, they, right now, the AFC, in the AFC, outside of the Raiders going into Monday night uh, at the time of this recording, no one in the AFC is undefeated anymore. And if I had to look, I would probably give the Bills have the best case for being the AFC's best undefeated teams. Uh, again, I'm recording this Monday afternoon, so at the time I'm recording this, Vegas is still undefeated. Uh, obviously, that could change by the end of the show. I'll have my Monday night recap at the end of the episode. <coughs> Bears-Lions... First win for Justin Fields in his NFL career. 
uh, you know, Nagy didn't call a bad game. Now, Nagy didn't call stuff necessarily tailored to Justin Fields, but uh, he helped Fields. You know, Montgomery had 23 carries, 106 yards. He really just, you know, set the tone early. They, he, they kept pounding the rock with him. And it wasn't stupid play calling from Nagy, put it that way. He saved his job. Uh, Montgomery did exit with an injury, though. Uh, the, the Bears' defense was the Bears' defense looking really good, limiting DeAndre Swift to just 16 yards. And this was for Matt Nagy, coaching for his job, man. Uh, I was surprised. I was this morning to see the Lions look as bad as they did, especially they had some bad turnovers in the red zone. There, there was the one where Jared Goff wasn't, wasn't ready for the snap. It hit off of him while he was trying to change the play and turnover there. You know they had they could have tried to rally, but they just weren't good enough. Nagy saves his job, but at this point, like we all know, Matt Nagy is just a dead man walking at this point. Uh, Cowboys Panthers, here we go. I I hate to say it, and you know, despite just the usual talk, but are the Cowboys actually good? Like, I mean, Dak Prescott is playing at an incredibly high level, and no one's going to doubt that Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. And everybody knows this is a good Dallas offense. Dak is really good. Zeke is really good. Amari Cooper is good. C.D. Lamb, although he had a quiet game, is really good. But this defense, how about what they did? Travion Diggs had two picks in the game against the Panthers. He now has five on the season in four games. They sacked Sam Darnold five times. I mean, this Cowboys defense has been such a surprise to start the year. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, my God, they've been amazing, but they've been good. They've been above average, and with that offense, that's really all they needed. Don't know why my video stopped recording. Uh, it's very, very weird that my video just stopped recording in the middle of me talking about the Cowboys, but whatever. Uh, defense has been phenomenal, though, for what, for what it's expected to be. They were expected to be – their defense was expected to do what the Washington football team has been doing lately. It's been it's been that much of a surprise for them. I mean, the secondary again, Travion Diggs, five picks in four games, five sacks against Sam Darnold. They they limited Justin Herbert outside of garbage time last week. They didn't really allow the Eagles to score, and that's exactly when the Panthers got most of their scoring. So they had two touchdowns in the first half, both rushing touchdowns by NFL rushing leader Sam Darnold. You know, is he gonna lead the league in rushing touchdowns? Oh man, my phone has full story. What? Honestly, does not surprise me considering the fact that I have a ton of photos and stuff. Well, it looks like tonight I'm going to go through and delete phone storage. Anyways, uh, it's very weird to be getting that. It sucks to be getting that in the middle of recording an episode, to be honest, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, the Dallas, man, really good, really good defense, what it's expected to be. The defense was great yesterday again. They had the two, then they allowed two fourth quarter touchdowns in garbage time, but they played a near perfect game on both sides of the football. Dak, four touchdowns of four receivers. Blake Jarwin getting involved. I mean, this Dallas offense is full of weapons. We knew they were going to be great. The defense has played above average. And, you know, this is just the typical, oh, the Cowboys, good talk. We had this in September, and they're just going to let us down, but. Like right now, they just look really good. As long there's no reason for them not to run right at the NFC East. They're clearly the most talented team there. Their defense is better than Washington's. Their offense is better. They have the best offense, the best defense. The only thing that can really bring them back from winning the NFC East, in my opinion, is injuries, much like injuries did the last couple of seasons. When they haven't, when they haven't been able to win the NFC East the past couple of years, it's been because of QB injuries. Colts, Dolphins. 
Yeah. Sorry, this game was just a bit of a yawner. Uh, you know, the Brissette, Brissette game didn't happen. Backs against the walls. The Colts against the Dolphins. The Colts respond with their backs against the walls. You know, it wasn't even like a pretty Carson Wentz game. It was just whatever. Um, the most exciting thing was Frank Reich. He goes for on fourth and two from his own 27-yard line. Now, I respect the balls there on him because, you know, you'll see a guy like like Joe Judge not go for on fourth and one at the other team's 16. But the cojones on Frank Wright, like, I mean, Frank Wright probably, one of Frank's night, Frank Reich's balls is probably bigger than Joe Judge's combined. Because that takes balls to go for on fourth and two from your own 27-yard line. Absolute balls from Frankie Reich there. Uh, you know, Wentz, because he was fine, wasn't anything special. He and Mo Ali Cox connected for two touchdowns. But for them, it was really just their defense. Their defense shut down the Dolphins' offense. The offense just held 203 yards. Uh, and it was a good one for the Colts to get the 1-3. and three. You know, two years ago, the Colts were 1-5. and five, or Yeah, it was two years ago in 2019. Three years ago. Three years ago in 2018. God, I mean... All these years, they, because they've been making the playoffs on the even years. They started 1-5, and five, went on a winning streak where they ended up winning 9 of their last 10 games and made the playoffs. Could that happen this year? I don't think so. You know, they had luck back then, and now they have a pretty much broken Carson Wentz. And the Dolphins, you know, Brissett's in a similar situation to what he was uh, in Indianapolis. The offensive line's not very good for him. It's one of the worst offensive lines in football, actually. They have good, not great receivers. And they have a bad running game. So the offense is just is just full of holes in general. And now as a backup quarterback, Flores is a great coach. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they, have a, they have a strong defense. But that defense and that coaching can only do so much for a team with one of football's worst offensive line, one of football's worst receiving groups and running back groups with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, who knows what will happen with Tua's back, but things are not looking bright for the Miami Dolphins right now. How about the Vikings and the Browns? This was sort of a weird game, too, that you didn't see on NFL Red Zone very much, it felt like, and that's because there was little to no action. I mean, the game ended 14-7 to with just three points in the second half. Uh, it was a pretty rough game from Baker and Kirk combined. Neither of them looked great. Both defenses played really well, and this was a surprise. I expected a high-scoring game. I expected Dalvin Cook and uh, Alexander Madison to run all over this Browns defense. I expected Justin Jefferson to make some big plays. He did have the touchdown, but that was about it. I expected Chubb and Hunt to have fun running against that poor Vikings run defense, and they did because that's what they do. And I expected Baker to take advantage of that secondary and have a great connection with Odell, but no, Baker threw under 50%, and the Browns... They even had bad plays from Stefanski, and Stefanski is one of the best play callers in the NFL. So they have first and goal from the five. Okay, a holding penalty brings it back to the 15. Still, they get 12 yards on that first, so right then, they're at the three-yard line on second and goal. They don't get it. It's fourth down. They don't get it a holding call. Eventually, they run it in with Kareem Hunt on third down, but that's not good. That's not the Kevin Stefanski and the Browns that we've come to see the last two seasons where it's taken them seven plays inside the five-yard line and get into the end zone. No, that's not all we've come to expect from this team. So that was definitely sloppy there. In the end, they won on the, on the edge of their defense. I mean, credit to their defense. Their defense has gotten better week in and week out. Now, the offense has not gotten worse. This has been the offense's worst week that they've had. But other than that, the offense has still been pretty damn good this season. Uh, 
but the defense, it's gotten better and better. The rough week one against the Chiefs. Week two, it wasn't particularly great against Tyrod Taylor, but dominated Davis Mills in the second half. Week three turned in a good game, and then turned in the... Uh, well, week three turned in a historic game, I should say. Not just a good game. And they followed up with another great performance here in week four, beating the Vikings. Uh, you know, when it was 11-7 to at the half, I was wondering if we were going to get a little bit of score igami. Uh, Chiefs, ver- actually, you know what? Uh, so, yeah, so for the Vikings, they're now just 1-3. and three. Things have not been the best for them so far to start the year. Defense finally gets a- gives them a good game, but the offense struggles. And, yeah, just really don't know what they expect from the Vikings this year. They have a brutal schedule. While the Chiefs, while the Browns, man, like, they survived a bad game from their offense on the strength of their defense. The team's just going to continue to get better as it goes along. Like, I'm not worried about them, their offense struggles this game. Yeah, it, we, you've seen Baker have that game every now and then, but I'm not going to worry about one bad game from Baker, in my opinion. Now, moving on to one of the bigger surprises of the game of the day, another New York team winning. The Jets also, like the Giants, beating the Tennessee Titans and... This had to be one of the bigger surprises of the week. You know, I came here on the, earlier on the podcast and I said that we, that we were fine, that we were going to win this game, or that the Titans were going to win this game, that there's no shot about <clears throat> the Jets winning this game. I didn't care if Derrick Henry was out, I said. I said I didn't care if AJ, I mean, obviously Derrick Henry played. But, you know, I didn't care if there was no AJ Brown, no Julio Jones. I was on the record saying I don't care if no Derrick Henry. I don't care if no... Uh, wide receiver three. I don't. I, I said I could have been at running back there, wide receiver. Or, regardless, I thought the Jets were going to lose. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know I said the Jets were going to lose no matter who was playing for the Titans. And uh, I was wrong. You know, Derrick Henry was still beast mode. He was still Jettercito. But the QB, uh, Tannehill wasn't great. Not very efficient. Uh, had just one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it was very hard for Tannehill to get things done without this top two receivers. And the Titans just have not looked very great passing the ball early on. And how about the Jets' defense? I mean, this is why you got Robert Sala. Robert Sala was known as being one of the best defensive minds in the NFL while he was in San Francisco. And we haven't seen much of that with him on the Jets yet. Until this week, seven sacks, making life absolutely miserable for Ryan Tannehill. And good for Zach Wilson, man. His first career W... Two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and the Jets, look, they made the plays they needed to. It seemed like they could put this game away earlier, but they let the Titans hang around, and it just seemed like, oh, man, are the Jets also going to find a way to lose this game? Are they going to jet it up? But the Jets, you know, they then they're up three in overtime. Titans are lining up for a field goal, and Fat Randy, Randy Bullock, misses the field goal. Titans lose the game by three. You know, some of this game was going to at least end in a tie, but nope. Fat Randy Bullock did not let that happen. Jets win. Third win in, like, let's see, they won, their, they won two of their final three games last year. Started 0-3, so that's, I don't know. They, they've won, like, three of their last, like, eight games or something, so I guess that's good for the Jets. And Zach Wilson might win Rookie of the Week. Then there's Robert Sala, big win, his first NFL win. Uh, and yeah, I still think it was a good hire. The Jets have just been a mess all year, but great, great win for them. And the Titans, man, like, 
literally need their wide receivers back. If they're losing to the Jets, you need to get your wide receivers back. Defense is still a problem. If they're letting Zach Wilson have fun, you know, the Bud Dupree signing hasn't exactly worked out. A big part of that could be his torn ACL. But, you know, for the Titans, they're sitting pretty, though, because the AFC South sucks. The Texans are 1-3. and three. They're not going to go anywhere, especially with Davis Mills, a quarterback. The Jaguars are an own four mess, and Urban Meyer is too busy, like, having random chicks grind on him. Colts look like a mess, and I don't trust Carson Wentz. So, this is an ugly division, but it's the Titans to lose. Chiefs-Eagles, this was a high-scoring game. I'll give Hurts credit. He hung with Mahomes, you know. That was more of the Hurts we saw week one. Week two and three Hurts were not very good. And uh, we also saw old-fashioned Mahomes. Now, that's the Mahomes we know. There was, a, like, a Mahomes and Hill game. Hill just went off three touchdowns. Mahomes had five. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the Chiefs we know. They had their get-right game, although the defense is still an issue. You know, we saw the defense get killed by the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Ravens. Three horrendous games in a row for the Chiefs defense. Four, if you know, four games in a row. The Chiefs defense has been really bad all four of these games, and it's a legitimate issue for this team. You saw their defense got exposed in the Super Bowl last year against the Bucks, And Susan Mahomes is going to have to be perfect every single week if the Chiefs are going to have to win these games because every game's for them are shootouts, and they're lucky that they have the quarterback to get it done. Uh, Eagles, you know, they are who we thought they were. Chiefs, man, though, like, I don't. If the Raiders lose tonight, and that game is roughly going to kick off in a few, although it's in a bit of a delay, if the Raiders lose tonight, that leaves the many teams at three and one or two and two, and the Chiefs are right now not close to being the best team in the AFC with that defense. Right now, I'd even right now I'd say the Bills, the Ravens, and I'd put the Bills and the Ravens definitely ahead of Kansas City right now and the Chargers. Uh, Rams Cardinals, another one of the bigger surprises of the day. How about the Arizona Cardinals, the Cliff Kingsbury offense, continuing the role? And, look, this is a good, really good Rams defense. And the Arizona Cardinals just had their way with them. Cliff Kingsbury's offense is just continuing the role. And, I, you know, it wasn't even just, oh, the air raid high attack offense. No, they ran for 210 yards. Or t- James Conner had two rushing touchdowns. Chase Edmonds looked really good. Overall, great game for the Cardinals, just all around. They all around won this game. Their defense was phenomenal. You know, they gave up 20 points, but some of that came in garbage time. They limited Matt Stafford. They limited what Cooper Cup was able to do after Cooper Cup had a fantastic start to the season. And just the Cardinals, after that win against the Rams, they might have established themselves as the best team in the NFL. It seemed like it was the best team in the NFL was the Bucs. The Rams, after beating the Bucs, seemed to take that title from them. But now the Cardinals go into L.A. and beat the Rams. And it's time. Are the Cardinals the NFL's best team right now? My answer is yes. I truly think the Cardinals are the best team. They're rolling. The defense, I've talked about that underrated defense, and it continues to perform well. Kyler's looking like an MVP. And there's A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins. Now these running backs are getting involved. Max Williams. I mean, this offense is weapons galore. It's, I don't think there's a better offense in football than the, than the Arizona Cardinals right now. And with that defense playing the way it is, they look like the NFL's best team right now. Uh, we're going to keep with it in the NFC West, though. And move on to the other big NFC West match, that Seahawks-49ers game. So, you know, on the pre-show, I picked the 49ers. 
And throughout, uh, so then I watched some a bit, a little bit of a pregame show on NFL Network. They talked about how Russell Wilson had never lost three games in a row. After hearing that, I had to go pick the Seahawks. I even, you know, took Seattle money line. Um, and Russell West, Russell Wilson, he made sure that they wouldn't lose three games in a row once again. It was a relatively close first half, seven seven. Uh, Russ wasn't th- slinging it, but he was doing just enough. Jimmy G was playing all right. But then this time, Seattle came out and looked great in the second half as opposed to falling apart. Uh, Trey Lance came in. Jimmy G got hurt. And, you know, Lance was all right. He completed just 50% of his passes. He did have the two touchdowns, albeit one of them coming in garbage time. One of them was, and then the other one being on a play where Debo Samuel was all alone with no defender around him. So it wasn't necessarily him making great plays. Again, you know, I'm not going to credit a garbage time touchdown and a touchdown pass where... Debo has no one within 20 yards of him as playing great. But that that's Lance's first legitimate NFL action. And I'm not going to jump on him. We've seen all the rookie quarterbacks struggle thus far. Fields, uh, Mac Jones, although he had a good game tonight. Wilson, Lawrence. But now it looks like, it looks like it's going to be Trey Lance's team for a couple weeks. They're saying Jimmy G with the calf injury is set to miss some time. So here we go. The Trey Lance era has officially begun. But, man, I'll tell you, this NFC West, they are just loaded. I mean, we, look what we've seen. NFC East, realistically, is going to send one team to the playoffs. NFC North, Packers, I don't may, maybe Vikings if they can turn it around, but I don't think so. Bucks should win the NFC South. The Saints or the Panthers could get a wild card, but we saw the Panthers when they played the Cowboys, who are actually a good team. The Saints have been Jekyll and Hyde. So, you know, none of none of those teams are really guaranteed. It doesn't feel like we have a set wild card. It's really legitimate that all three of these teams in the NFC West can get the wild card. Now, I know I picked the 49ers to win the NFC West in the preseason. Not sure how that's going to do now. You know, I like Trey Lance, but I don't know if he's going to be good enough to lead the Niners to the NFC West title this season. Now they go at 2-2. Two and two. They're tied for last place. We'll see how things go. Uh, Ravens, Broncos, uh, honestly, like, not much to talk about from the, not much to talk about from this game, uh, the four o'clock games, like, I didn't get to watch much of them, I, I know I have my two TVs set up, but I was way too locked into that Yankee game, I mean, I'm pacing back and forth, like, on the verge of having a heart attack during this game, like, I, I, I had no time to pay attention to these four o'clock games that were, mo- that were all pretty much just had about two possessions, uh, so yeah, I just know Ravens, Broncos, the only I watched a play from this game except for the Ravens getting that first down. Or not even that first down, the extra three yards. Uh, you can say, oh, that was, a, that was a scumbag move by John Harbaugh. It was kind of an asshole move. But I'm not going to lie, I kind of like it. Like, like, why not? Go for the record, man. You have a chance to tie the record for most consecutive 100-yard rushing games in the NFL. In NFL history. You have to go for it, John Harbaugh. I like the bold call to do it. It was good. It was funny. Uh, who cares? Don't stop crying about it. Packers, Steelers. The Steelers lose again. Defense not looking too good. I mean, you know, we, I felt like I was watching a game, a Packers game, Packers game from like 2012, where Aaron Rodgers and Randall Corn on the cob are getting after it. That's right. The Steelers, 
They were they they had no answer for Randall Corn on the cob. Two touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers. Um, he was throwing bat that clock, and you know that was one of the biggest things in the selling points of getting Rodgers to come back was getting Randall back, and he played well. I mean, hey, maybe maybe he's worth a flyer in fantasy after the way he performed this week. Had to get acclimated a little into the Lafleur offense. Uh, AJ Dillon ran really well too. I guess with the blowout. They wanted to split the carries with him and Aaron Jones. And A.J. Dillon outran Aaron Jones this game as the Steelers' defense did not look great. Najee Harris couldn't get going. And Ben Roethlisberger, that man is washed up. You know, Eli and Rivers from that 4 draft class, they've called it quits. But Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, that man can't throw deep anymore. All he's doing is check down, check down, check down. You know, as a Deontay Johnson fantasy owner, I do like it. But Ben Roethlisberger is washed up. The O-line is bad. And at this point, look, the defense wasn't great today, but it's still a good defense. Ben Roethlisberger right now is holding the team back. Pats, Bucks. All right, guys, confession. I fell asleep before halftime. As I mentioned, I did not. I put an all-nighter Saturday. At this point of the game, I'm running on, like, maybe hour 40 of no sleep. Let's see. About yeah, about hour forty and no sleep. I had to just crash. I know Steve Belichick was making all these funny faces, his little tongue thing. Like, uh, you know, just from what I watched in the first half, Belichick prepared great for Brady. Brady never got any drives going, even when the Mac Jones had the two picks in the first half. You know, uh, one the Bucks went three and out, got a field goal that no, they, I think they missed the field goal then. By the way. Brady didn't throw a touchdown, definitely screwing over my fantasy team. Uh, they had to kick a late field goal, and the Patriots, I know they kicked the field goal from 53 yards in the rain that they missed, and that won the Bucks the game. But, hey, awesome ceremony. Very cool seeing Tom Brady come back. Got to see him break the all-time NFL passing yards record with former record holder Drew Brees there, even though I'm pretty sure that's not Drew Brees because when does Drew Brees have that much hair? Uh, congrats to Brady. He's the GOAT. And that had to be one of the coolest regular season games I had wanted to see in a long time. Just his emotion, man. Everything. Moving on now. College football. Ohio State Rutgers, as I mentioned, I was there. And man, the Buckeyes are so back. This wasn't just, you know, the beatdown of Rutgers where, oh, whatever, you guys just beat Rutgers. No. Rutgers, they've been, they've, they've been, this is a beatdown of a relatively competitive team in the Big Ten. Like, uh, like the equivalent of beating, let's say, uh, like a 7-5 Michigan State team back in their days. The equivalent of beating, like, a Wisconsin team that we beat down. And it, it was awesome. Right from the get-go, this team, they came out and had it. Travion Henderson, 44 yards to the house. Denzel Burke with the pick six. I mean, Denzel Burke has been one of the best true freshmen in the country. Both him and Travion Henderson really have been two of the best uh, true freshmen in the country. Another pick for Burke. Just been a playmaker for the Buckeyes defense all year long. I mean, Travion Henderson, what he's doing as a true freshman running back is absolutely amazing. And anyone who listens to me knows, I've been talking about Travion Henderson since we lost the national championship game to Alabama last year. That's how much I've been hyping this kid up, and he has exceeded my expectations of him. I thought he was going to have a great freshman year. He has been far better than I've expected. I mean, look, this Buckeyes team, 
They're loaded with young talent. The best part we've seen about these blowouts against Rutgers and Akron is we've seen the young talent come out to play, and but this seems towards its holes this year. But oh my God, the young talent on this team, the freshmen, the sophomores, they are going to build a very, very special thing over the next two seasons. And we're not even talking about Quinn Ewers. I mean, he didn't play this game, but who cares? Because he's going to be a stud. We saw McCord. I actually met Kyle McCord's family. You know, he's a Jersey boy. Kyle's family was there supporting him in the crowd. Family, friends. Met some friends of the Ruckerts. I don't know if this is just me getting into it, but I feel like I'm kind of sounding like Gus Johnson. Definitely not. But it was an awesome game. Got to see the Buckeyes play for the first time in person in two years. With all the Rutgers fans, too. All my friends I went with are Rutgers fans. I'm not, I, was, I, knew, I couldn't really talk shit because I already knew we were going to win. And I'm never someone who likes to talk shit before the game. I let the, let, I let the on-field player do the talking for me. And I'm just like, I can't talk shit and then have Ohio State lose this game. But we were not going to lose. I said we were going to win and cover. I mean, we're up 24-6 to at the end of the first quarter. 45-6 to at the end of the half. Only for to win 52-13. to Oh, what was the other thing I said on the, on the, on the last episode? Chris Olave was going to have a big game. Chris Olave did have a big game. I, I called it. I, I wish I tweeted that out just so the tweet, the receipt would be there. But it doesn't matter. I said it. And Gary Wilson had a big game. And Jeff Smith and Jibwa. I mean, Stroud was fantastic. Five touchdowns. The best Stroud has looked all season. It's clear. I mean, the throws were accurate. He wasn't releasing them high. wasn't overthrowing guys. It was great to see C.J. Stroud. That week off clearly helped him. His shoulder looked good. Now, boys, let's keep rolling. Let's beat Maryland, who just got their asses handed to them by Iowa. Pretty much the same score, 51-13. to Yeah. I, 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 yeah, but that upset I predicted that, that Maryland was going to have, that, that was a joke. That was a joke, guys. Sticking in the Big Ten, uh, the team that, the Wolverines, that team from up north, ended their demons in Madison. They dominate the Badgers and get a win. They're now just, they're now up to number eight in the AP poll. Because this, this was a wild week. Lots of upsets, eight, nine, and ten, and three all lost. Now, Ohio State, big benefactor of that. Uh, you know, another loss. Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas has been good. Sam, they had the big win over Texas A&M last week. Sam Pittman has done a fantastic job coaching those boys up. Uh, but they just got crushed by Georgia. Who the, the, What Georgia's defense is doing is unheard of. They've played five games. 23 total points so far. Back-to-back shutouts. Okay, whatever. They shut out Vanderbilt. Pff, Vanderbilt's trash at football. They, I mean, they beat, they beat UConn, congrats. But they suck at football. But the shutout, a good Arkansas team coming off a big win. Yeah, that's a, that's impressive what the Georgia Bulldogs have been doing. I think they should be number one. Alabama's good, but what Georgia's doing is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you can say Arkansas. Maybe a and just not that good after all. They did lose at home to Mississippi State. And how about Cincinnati? A big win for the Bearcats. That's what they've been missing the last couple seasons, that big regular season win, but they get it. They go into South Bend, Indiana, a top 10 win on the road, plus the Oregon Ducks have lost, and Cincinnati is looking very pretty right now. People are burying the Pac-12. The ACC is deader than dead, but the AAC, no, they're not dead because of Cincinnati. It's looking like we're Alabama and Georgia are on a collision course for each other. I'm assuming that they're both going to get in at this point. This point... 
The only threats to Cincinnati are, is Oklahoma going undefeated. That's it. Uh, may, I mean, may, maybe Ohio, Ohio, one lost Ohio State team might get in over an undefeated Cincinnati team. But that's honestly, like, no. I honestly don't even think so. Really, really, as long as Oklahoma loses the game, Cincinnati's in, and I, I don't, there's no way Oklahoma's going to go undefeated the way they've lost. They just, they just can't. I, I can't see Oklahoma going undefeated. But Cincinnati, man, things are looking pretty. What Luke Fickle has done for this program is something special. And could you imagine if we get Cincy in the playoff? We're looking at two SEC teams, an AAC team. So you know we're going to be. There's a, three Power Five conferences are going to get left out. Now, if Oregon wins out, what does that mean? Are they ahead of Ohio State? If they're ahead of Ohio State, are they ahead of Cincy? Are they? And who knows? Because I don't know what the committee's going to do. Because you know, it's a week two loss. I remember sometimes with these week one, week two games, they take context into it. Uh, but you know, like I, I, I don't really know. It's too, I'm not going. Well, we'll see what the first college football playoff rankings look like. Because it's so hard to talk about what the committee's going to do before we've even seen rankings get released. You know. But yeah, because Oregon, they had a brutal loss to Stanford. Uh, upset, just not very good for them. And the, they're not the only Pac-12 team to lose. UCLA, we all thought UCLA was back after their big week one win over UCLA, uh, over LSU, excuse me. Turns out they're not. Chip Kelly's still just, and UCLA's still just average. A- ASU now, they won, and that Pac-12 Southman is just a mess. Gators go down, lose to Kentucky. The Wildcats, they're 5-0, and they've been one of the better football teams that people are just not, not talking about. All right, so that's really what happened in college football. A uh, little thing, college game day is going to, and I tweet about this, to Dallas for the Red River rivalry next week. Hey, the Red River rivalry is not a bad game. It's fun. It's Texas. It's Oklahoma. Horns down, by the way. Uh, it's fun. It's always a good game. But Penn State is number four. Iowa is number three. And playing in Iowa City, which is a fantastic, or, excuse me, I, no, not Iowa City, Ames, Iowa. And that's one of the best crowds in college football. They always play great when there's a big game at night there. The fans are amazing what they do. The wave to the Cancer Hospital Center. How do you not go there? Why are you going to Texas, Oklahoma, where if Texas wins this game, the Big 12's playoff dreams are dead? You're going you're to go to a game. You'd rather go to a game where if one team wins, that conference has no chance at the playoffs than go to a game where you have two undefeated top four teams. What the hell, college game day? Oof. And I'm talk- also talking about playoff, playoff, playoff. It's about the college football playoff. But we got, we got bigger playoffs starting. We got the MLB playoffs. The MLB playoffs are set. As I mentioned, the Yankees are in. The season was stressful. It was ups. And downs. But through everything, we're in. I mean, the streakiest team in baseball. I mean, Judge and Stanton were both unbelievable this year. You know, everyone wants to make Trip Stanton say, oh, he's overpaid. Stanton lived up to his contract this year. Aaron Judge had an MVP-like season, although Otani was, is obviously going to win that. And Vlad Guerrero Jr. also had a godlike season. But Judge was great, really clutch all year for the Yankees offense. And it just sucked that a lot of the other guys... Glaber, Geo, DJ, all regressed. Gary Sanchez outside the month month of June was pretty bad all year long. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks took major steps back before getting injured. 
So the Yankees, most of their lineup did underachieve this year. Obviously, the two guys who we expect to perform did perform. And, and this season was just full of up and downs. There were so many lows, uh, the highs of the 13-game winning streak. But here we are, man. We're in the postseason. Let's just get the let's just get the fucking job done, boys. Please. That's I mean that's all that matters is getting in. It doesn't matter how you got here. You got here, and everyone can say, "Oh no, you know all the, I know all these people want to laugh." Oh, ninety-two wins for the World Series favorite. It is sad. It it is a little upsetting and depressing that as the World Series favorite, we are only able to finish ninety-two wins, barely getting in. But we also played in a division that had four teams get ninety-one wins. It at least is loaded with talent. Those Orioles games really killed us. And uh, yeah, I just I, I hope we can win. Uh, for us, just it's gonna be weird. Uh, obviously, you know we had a seasons game. We had games where the offense would hit six home runs. Then games where we'd be facing a pitcher with an ERA in the tens, and he looks like the best pitcher in baseball against us. You know, Michael Walker, an example. You know, there's games that the bullpen has to come in early, and the bullpen's locked down like yesterday. But then there's games where the bullpen blows leads, the five-run lead to Houston, the five-run lead to the Angels, uh, the game against the game against the Red Sox that first series, uh, that series when we lost three out of four to Boston. It's just been an up and down season, man. And this postseason rotate now. This we don't have DJ. It looks like for the playoffs. No, we're gonna have Gio Urshela. And I didn't even talk about the Gio Urshela catch. I recapped that Yankees Rays game. It's about my anxiety, but that's one of the best catches I've ever seen that Gio Urshela made. Running into the dugout, slips down the stairs, still holds it. I thought he was done. The way the Rays were calling the trainers over, the way how long he took to get up, I thought Gio was done. But this man's a fighter. Urshela still stays in the game. Can't believe it. I really, I don't know how he stayed in that game. I thought he was for sure finished. But he comes back in, makes some plays on defense, even gets another at-bat this game. Eventually he comes out of the game late, but Boone says he's expected to be in the lineup tomorrow. Unbelievable that Gio's going to be there. And hey, people said that play reminded them a lot of the Derek Jeter diving to the crowd. In my opinion, that was an even better play than that one was. And that was and that, one, that one was truly special. Gio putting his body before the team to help will ourselves into the postseason. Gio's been great defensively. He had the, some of the struggles uh, when he first came back from the IL, but he still he makes plays like that. You know his, his struggles with the plate have sort of been there. And yeah, obviously we added Gallo, we added Rizzo, added some diversity to this lineup, added some pop. Although the, both of those guys went through their streaks. Another guy, Luke Voigt, dealt with injuries all year, never really got to establish anything or go on a serious run. Then with the injuries, we traded for Rizzo, and he never was able to find a role on this team. Uh, you know, we have our five that we've had that we finally have our full rotation healthy. You know, obviously you're going Cole, Monty. Monty's definitely in that playoff rotation. If he's healthy enough, you're going to go with Tyone. And my guess is some combo of Kluber and Nestor with one one piggybacking on the other as a fourth starter. I mean, obviously we have to beat the Red Sox first. And I'll just do that and get to this pen. You know, I talk about this bullpen, but, you know, it had its, its consistencies. But down the stretch, Chapman and Chad Green, who have both been the biggest victims of inconsistent play, have looked really good at the end of the season. You've had Jonathan Lewisica. Obviously, he had pretty much the entire month of September off to recover from that shoulder injury. Looks fantastic since coming back. 
the big uh, the guys that we traded for. There's Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, who've both been fantastic since coming over. Joely Rodriguez, who's mostly the lefty specialist. Another fine trade for Brian Cashman that he made. You know, Lucas Licky, another fine left-handed that Boone went to go get. And then two former starters in Herman and Severino will probably be the other guys out of the pen. Uh, yeah, like, I- I'm excited to see how this bullpen looks. Uh, I mean, Sevy, man, he's been awesome since that return from injury. Definitely deserves a spot on this roster. I mean, I, just, I really don't know how I feel about this team. Like, it's definitely the weakest I've felt in a while. And, but, you know, here, here's the thing. There's an opportunity here. You beat the Red Sox, who eliminated you in 18. Then you go to the ALDS. You go. You beat the Rays, who eliminated you in 2020. Maybe you match up with the Astros, who cheered you out in 17 and beat you in 19. A chance to avenge all four losses in the last four postseason it presents itself for the Yankees. Question is, can they actually do it? I think we're going to beat the Red Sox. We play with so much more confidence against the Red Sox lately. I think Garrett Cole's going to be Garrett Cole. He better be fucking Garrett Cole because he hasn't been the last September. I think we're going to get after Avoldi, much like we got after Avoldi in that Friday night game in Fenway. And th- yeah, I think we'll beat the Red Sox. Go set up a series against the Rays. And I hate, I hate to say this, man, but if I'm being honest, I don't think we're going to beat the Rays. Now, I'm not saying no shot, but I really don't think we're going to end up beating the Rays, man. I mean, we've just been too inconsistent. The Rays, they play us confidently. I mean, the biggest issues for us this regular season have been what's gotten us eliminated in the past. Uh, and for that reason, I just, you know, it's hard for me to be confident. The Rays, again, they had zero to play for. The only thing the Rays had to, had to play for was eliminating us from the postseason. And they relished that opportunity. So much fun for them. And they nearly did it. And so, but we we luckily won that game. I think they, they play us. They're not afraid of us. They're not afraid of all the big bad bombers. They they see us as the worst version of them, even though we have we spend more money on that than they do. And they 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 know how to win. Their analytics stats is just amazing. I think that they'll beat us. I think the White Sox pitching will be too much for the Astros, and that the White Sox end up beating that taking that series. Uh, then we're gonna get ourselves at Rays versus White Sox ALCS. You're gonna get Mr. Old School. No, no swinging at three on pitchers when you're up. Tony Larusa versus young guy analytics embracing all the new identities of baseball in Kevin Cash. New versus old, new versus young. Old versus young, I gave Kevin Cash and the Rays taking the ALCS, winning the American League. Uh, I, I, the other reason I'm also picking the White Sox in that Astro series. Give me, let I want to see Dusty Baker win a playoff series in a full season, not a 60-game season. Look, we have Yankees-Red Sox in the American League wildcard game. And that's pretty damn cool that we have Yankees-Red Sox in the American League wildcard game. But what people are not talking about is for as histor- as awesome as to see two teams with them as much history as the Yankees and the Red Sox in the AL wild card. The NL wild card has the Dodgers and the Cardinals in it. That's four of the MLB's most historical franchises in the MLB wild card round. So, yeah, maybe there was no game 163, but the MLB is very happy about the way these wild card games turned out. And look, the Dodgers they won 106 games. It's kind of ridiculous that they have to play in a one game wild card that's winner go home after they they were as good as they were. But here they are, and you know what? I think this game is going 
this one game wild card is going to go away, especially when the when the St. Louis Cardinals upset the Dodgers in LA. That's right. It's so hard to repeat in the sport of baseball. I think the Dodgers are going to fall true to that, getting upset in one game. This St. Louis Cardinals team, they are confident. They split with the Dodgers earlier in the year, and this team is still hot. They won 17 games in a row. They were hot entering the month uh, month of October, while the Dodgers, they're still hot. I mean, they won 106 games. They've been hot all season long, but they just lost Kershaw. Now, Kershaw not to start of this game anyways, but that hurts this team for the long run in the playoffs. And now Max Muncy's out. That takes a bat away a big left-handed bat. Adam Wainwright, 40 years old, veteran, been around for years. He's going to come out, and he's going to toss a gem. And the Cardinals will stun the Dodgers. Here we go, then. I think the Cardinals will give up a fight against the Giants, but the Giants beat them. Again, the Giants, they won 107 games for a reason. So good. Everyone still keeps sleeping on them. I think they're going to keep taking that's everyone sleeping. I mean, the Giants were projected to be, I think, what, 70 was their over-under win total for the season? They were. I, I had them. I think I had them last in the National League West, to be honest. I'm pretty sure I had them finishing last place in the NL West, possibly like bottom three or four of the National League. And oh boy, did they prove me, did they prove everyone in baseball wrong. I can't even find people on Twitter. Usually you see people on Twitter who are like bragging about their old tweets. I don't see anyone talking about that with the Giants being good this year. No, it was a hell of a season. Gabe Kapler's going to cruise the National League Manager of the Year. They're going to go to the NLCS and they're, they're going to take on the Brewers. Because the NL East at this point was just the post, was just, the NL East, whoever won the NL East was getting the NL East in name. The division sucked this year. The Braves kind of lucked their way to that division title. So the Brewers will sweep them. And the Giants beat the Brewers. I think it'll be a hell of a series. I think the Brewers play are extremely good. But I, I don't trust the Brewers offense to win a seven-game series for as bad as it's been. The Giants offense, it's they don't have this one guy, but it's everyone. I mean, the guys, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria. They're all, they all throw bet the clock like it was freaking 2012 up in San Francisco. That's literally the way they've played. And it's made that team so good. They're all fantastic defenders. They're not going to make many errors on defense. Uh, they're going to hit the ball extremely well and far. They're going to pitch well. And they're going to win the National League. So we have two. The two number one seeds. But I don't think anyone expected this to be the one seeds, much less the World Series matchup when the season started. But here we go. I think it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays and the San Francisco Giants. And I think it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays who end up winning the World Series. I just think that analytics are really driving the game the way a baseball is going. The way Tampa Bay runs their analytics department is just something special. They're going to they're gonna do something crazy, winning this World Series without a legitimate rotation, without a legitimate lineup. No one's ever seen this in baseball, but the Rays were so close to doing it last year. They were even better this year than they are last year. Arosa Reign has missed her postseason. This team is entering the postseason on a hot streak. And the Rays, here they go. They're going to win the 2021 World Series. And that pains me to say it, man, but they're just so, so well run. Oh, man, that that sucks. Anyways, that was really it for my World Series coverage. The Monday Night Football game recently tipped off, recently kicked off. The Chargers actually just scored a touchdown. Uh, I'll, I'll be here to recap once that game goes final, though. We're going to do a little future time travel.
Well, the Los Angeles Chargers have defeated <clears throat> the Las Vegas Raiders 28-14. to Now, I mean, Justin Herbert, what a game for him, especially in the first half. He was just slinging it. Three touchdowns in that first half, spreading that rock around. But there was Jared Cook. First half, it was Jared Cook. It was Austin Eckler. It was... Donald Parham Jr., who I've never heard of before. And overall, just a good win for the Chargers. The Raiders had a chance to come back. <clears throat> they scored they scored a touchdown. They scored 14 in the third, and all of a sudden, they went from 21-0 to 21-14. They had the ball back with nine minutes left, down seven. But, if, but they missed a field goal after being sacked on third down. From there, the Chargers drove down the field, converted two fourth downs. And eventually scored a touchdown. Brandon Staley showing no fears about going for it on fourth down. And the Chargers follow up their big win over the Chiefs last week with another win over the Raiders. They're combined with the Broncos lost. All three of those teams are at 3-1 and one now. And if had we not had that Claude Edward D. Lair fumble, it's very possible that all three teams in the AFC West are sitting at 3-1 and one right now. But... The Chiefs, they're sitting in last place right now. They're, they're sitting in last, the Chiefs. Goes to see how good this division has been this year. Uh, you know, can Vegas and Denver keep up their hot starts? Especially Denver, we saw how they looked against a team that was more competent than the Jets, Giants, and <coughs> Jaguars. Uh, but these Chargers, uh, they said on Monday night on the broadcast that they're the team that beat in the AFC West right now. And yeah, they are, I mean... They went into Kansas City and won. Herbert's playing out of his mind. The defense is looking really good. The O-line's protecting Herbert exceptionally well. I, I, what I was high on the Chargers team from the beginning. They, they should be 4-0 right now. They had the Charger game where they lost in Week 2 to the Cowboys, but this team is loaded. They should be 4-0. And I'm excited for this Chargers-Browns game next week. Uh, anyways, that's my show. Again, it was... Uh, big episode recapping college football, the NFL, the MLB. Big win for all my teams this week, the Buckeyes, the Giants, the Yankees. Uh, Yankees, let's go. Let's win on Tuesday. Let's beat the shit out of the Red Sox. Like, let you, Come on, let's just do it. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody who saw the podcast thus far. Remember, go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest episode releases. Go follow Jay Bird's Eye View for all my latest live game reaction. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.